Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike on the line here as well. We were going to do a Dumb Money uh, Oscar profile, but we're now stuffing that into this burrito of an Oscar race checkpoint as well, Michael. Well, I'm hungry right now. We're recording this (laughs) at a time where I could go for a burrito. Second breakfast. But the reason for this particular burrito is the French, which is not something... You usually say about burritos, but the French (laughs) made the weirdest decision, Michael. And Mm -hmm. I figured, like, all right, maybe half an Oscar race checkpoint, half a dumb money review would be good for today. And I I think we got a fun trailer to talk about and and a couple other stories that'll be that'll be cool to open up with. So, yeah, let's let's open with this best international feature news, because France has selected the taste of things over the Palme d'Or winning Anatomy of a Fall from Justine Trier, starring Sandra Houllier, who's probably going to be in that Best Actress 5, or at least in contention there. Maybe and now. <laughs> maybe. And, and look, at we just did a prop bet on Anatomy of a Fall versus American Fiction, and yeah. you rigged the numbers to an extent where you duped me, is what I'm saying now. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You duped me into selecting the Anatomy of a Fall because if they pushed... I would have won fake money. <laughs> there was a spread. Yeah, there was a spread on the line. That was our last episode. But uh, yeah, so uh, what is this movie called? This is the bad thing. I don't know. The Taste of Things. <laughs> it's now the selection from France to go in the international feature. It uh, gets picked over Anatomy of a Fall. The Taste of Things won Best Director on Can, So it is a Can Award winner. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall has a tough road ahead of it. We'll get into it now. I mean, there is it's it's just tough when you're not the country's selection for international feature to make waves in any other Oscar category in the big six or big eight anyway. Um, RRR proved that out last year, but we'll talk about all that and more. What was your first reaction when you heard France was leaning this way or was going this way, I should say? You know, I thought Neon's kind of snake bit. Here they buy another mm. Palme d'Or winner, and they're forced to campaign it the hard way. Yeah. Tri- triangle of Sadness. I, I know that's not a best international feature contender last year for, for legal reasons. However, you know, it comes out of the, the, the Cannes Film Festival, and it's and it's a mostly European success right. at the box office and, and a European cast and crew, obviously. So... It worked out for Neon, so Neon understood how to play it at the end of the day, and they still got director, screenplay, picture, even though Dolly DeLeon didn't get supporting actress, though she was, you know, BAFTA and Globe nominated. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Neon, if, if anybody, can play this for Anatomy of a Fall, but yeah, that fake bet that I made for fake money is not looking good, man. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, I'm just baffled by this, and you hear Clayton Davis reporting that IFC is going to give the taste of things a full treatment. They're going to push it for Best Picture. They're going to push it for Juliette Binoche, and that's fine and everything. But it's it's like you're making this. France just made this impossibly difficult on two studios instead of just one. Like it would have been difficult enough for Anatomy of a Fall to compete for in the Best Picture category if it was the uh, the pick. But it, it would at least had all the momentum in the world for an international feature right, right. now. Now you have to kind of create momentum for. 
I mean, yes, it did win Best Director at Cannes, but it, I, as far as what's been talked about more, it's clearly Anatomy of a Fall over the taste of things, for one. And for two, when I heard this, I was just like, oh, Francis did it again, huh? Just, you know, let's take the award-winning female helm movie and yeah. we'll push that to the side and we'll take the one that's done by a man again. Yeah, which they, they've done they... now 60 times out of 71 years. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think uh, I think they've done a, a little better recently. Obviously, the last two years, they've picked female-directed films. And... It's the 10th and 11th selections, uh, right. official selections for France in the 71 years they've uh, submitted something to the Oscars. Well, here's why I'm in an awkward position. All right, I'm putting the whole uh, gender at uh, <laughs> at. <laughs> you love food. I love food movies, <laughs> really do, and I love Juliette Binoche in food movies. I really, really do. Chocolat was delicious. I don't know if I've talked about this movie on here before, but uh, have you ever seen Naked Gun 33 and a third? <laughs> they, uh, they, when they're on the Oscar stage towards the end of that movie, and they're going over the fake Best Picture candidates, the fake Best Picture nominees, and they have little <laughs> fake snippets for the fake movies that are in that world. One of them's the the uh, biopic of Mother Teresa, <laughs> and she's running around singing this fake song. I love food. I love food, and I'm really in the mood. <laughs> and it reminds me of you, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I uh, I wrote that song actually back in the <laughs> '90s. I was just running down the street singing it, and somebody must have plagiarized. It's basically, it. exactly what the clip is. Yes. Uh, I do love food. I am mm-hmm. hungry right now, as the burrito jibe uh insisted at the beginning of the episode right. and i can't wait to see the taste of things sure uh, i'm seeing that like right around lunchtime man so i'm gonna i'm gonna no, do it up right in the sweet spot uh so that's gonna be two weeks you from have now. to bring a pastry into the theater with you don't you i really should i mean yeah. but uh, here's the cool thing about well no i'm seeing it at alice tully hall if i was seeing it at i i love the uh walter reed at new york film festival because you can get there's a great selection of Oh, it's a delight. <laughs> All of the uh, trifles and truffles that I can select. The to, to happiest eat anyone's ever on. been about one of France's uh, international feature selections in the history of France's international feature selections. I look forward to the taste of things. I looked forward to the taste of things back when it was called The Pot on Fire. Yeah. I'm just, I'm shocked because Anatomy of a Fall was supposed to be this, you know, contend in all the big categories film, especially. After how you duped me in that last episode with that fake bet. <laughs> you might have to start getting over that at some point soon. But I am bewildered as to... Uh, we just lived through this, didn't we, with RRR? We just yeah. lived through how impossible it is to make headway with the Academy and the branches in different categories, or big eight categories, if you are not your country's official selection for the international feature category. And I remember right. looking last night. I, I should have wrote it down, but I didn't like... There's the last time a movie was nominated for Best Picture that wasn't that didn't make nomination as their country selection was like the 70s. I yeah. think didn't make nomination as their country selection for international feature or foreign picture as it was at the time was like sometime in the 70s or the late 60s or something like that. So it doesn't happen. And yeah. Anatomy of a Fall, I think, has kind of been, at least for me, wiped off the Best Picture chances right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think Sandra Huller still has a shot. We saw Penelope Cruz from Parallel Mothers still get in mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. Uh, RRR still won Best Original Song, yep. and uh, they still got in that you know last year. I think uh, I think if you go back, you can find examples of international features doing okay. But I mean, look, I mean, the last few years, 
in France, it's been a battle royale of good movies. Uh, St. Omer over One Fine Morning, uh, Tatan over uh, Happening. I mean, that was that was something we talked about for months, Michael, the yeah. Palme d'Or over the Golden Lion. And we, we understood it because of the hype at the time for Tatan. And yet, I think we understood that the... <laughs> the movie Tatan was probably a bit unpalatable for the mm-hmm. typical Oscar voter. Right, and right. We had a ton of conversations <laughs> about that for obvious reasons. Uh, two of us over Petit Mimon, uh, Les Miserables over Portrait of a Lady on Fire was egregious. in uh, many Portrait on Fire. Many people's minds. Uh, you were tweeting uh, <laughs> last night where I texted you anyway. But Les Miserables turned out to be a win-win for France because that got nominated, and that was a very strong film from Lajli. So... I don't know, I'm sure man. These are strong films. I mean, the history of France lately has been that they're putting forth strong films. That's not. I don't. Not, you know, and having not seen them yet, I can't comment on the quality so of the picture. How do you how do you fix this? If you give like an at large bid for international films, or three at large bids, or three Academy choices to add to the you know ninety something movies in play in this category, aren't you going to piss every nation off? I'm always back and forth with the international feature category as it is. All it takes is one well-written think piece for me to think either way as to its, as to its existence, if I could speak without tripping over my words. Because on the one hand, yeah, it does give shine and you get an Oscars chance to movies that otherwise probably wouldn't be mentioned on the day. On the other hand, it does create this weird glass ceiling and this barrier to entry to some of the big eight categories if, you don't, if your country screws up and doesn't pick you. Right. So on the like for for Anatomy of the Fall, I'm like, well, just get rid of international features as a category in a whole. Why do we need it? All it's doing is creating these unnecessary obstacles. But on the other hand, yes, it is by its existence celebrating other films that wouldn't otherwise be celebrated on the Oscars stage. So I don't know what the answer is. Right. It's a it's a lesser of two evils kind of thing here. But uh, yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, I got some stats here on um, how French films have fared. Michael, nine selections have been nominated in the past 24 years since 1999 uh, from France. 13 have been shortlisted. 38 French films have been nominated uh, since 1948, the inception of the category, and that's uh, 38 noms in 75 years for a 51%, which, considering how the the entire world is up for this category, that's pretty damn good, and and 9 out of 75 is 12%. So, I mean, France is, I, I don't know if that's the strongest... I would guess that it's in like top three, if not the top one there. Maybe Italy's better, but I mean, that's incredible uh, in terms of a national performance level. And look, we've seen this as a very competitive country in the past few years. And and, and look, I, I think they've gotten it wrong in certain years. Like, like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, as good as Les Miserables was, that was like a top five movie of that year for yeah, and, most and for people. For a lot of people. And that had legitimate best picture momentum that was halted. So do you get the same sense this year that there's the same love for Anatomy of a Fall? Like, that's what I wonder. Maybe the taste of things is that darling, but, I mean, Anatomy of a Fall has the catch. Sandra Huller is in everybody's top five, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, this this had legitimate chances to make noise. The, the, the Justine Trier is, is legitimately in the best director conversation. All of these big category conversations are going to be hurt by this for Anatomy of a Fall. Unless right. it, unless Neon's able to do it again, what they did with Parasite just says, screw glass ceilings. We're going to figure out a way through them anyway. Right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's fascinating. And the ripple effects 
uh, for the best international feature category might leave the zone of interest, the runner-up, I think mm-hmm. the Grand Prix winner at Cannes, uh, the zone of interest as as the newly minted UK selection uh, for best international feature, which is a, a rarity because there's not always a UK selection in in, a, in another tongue that uh, is is eligible or that is has a good chance. And and this year the zone of interest is now the number one film for both Clayton and Scott in this mix. Well, here's your case study, right? I mean, if the zone of interest is able to get some kind of momentum and find its way into some big eight categories that otherwise wasn't being talked about. Maybe it makes a stronger case for itself in screenplay. Maybe it makes a stronger case for itself in director with uh, Jonathan Glazer there. Uh, and Anatomy of a Fall falls out of a couple of those categories. I, I don't know what more proof you need combined with that combined with what happened to RRR last year. That's just, if you're in the international feature, your committee better pick you. So here's a question, and I don't know if we ever asked it last year. Do you think All Quiet on the Western Front and the momentum that that film ultimately got would have happened if rrr was india's national selection we definitely from talked the about this we definitely talked about we this. did no I, I i don't know i mean maybe it would have made it stronger for all quiet on the western front because maybe all quiet ends up beating rrr i don't know but like there was definitely something to be said between rrr's disqualification from the process as a whole in that category and all quiet on the western front's momentum yeah i think so absolutely because I was looking forward to Anatomy of a Fall going head to head with sure. the Zone of Interest, of course, so this was entire I. season two. So that that's not going to happen. Anyway, you, perfect. Your, you just you just had to have your food. <laughs> you You're blaming Epinosha. me. I've said it for time and time again. <laughs> what if every French national selector <laughs> is the critic from Ratatouille? That's and what that I they actually have rodents controlling their their hairs. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Anyway, The Taste of Things is Scott's number two, Clayton's number four. Perfect Days of Japan is uh, Clayton's number two. And The the Teacher's Lounge out of Germany, Feinberg's three. And uh, I think both Feinberg and Clayton's three. Clayton has uh, Io Capitan of Italy. And Scott has 20 Days in Mariupol out of Ukraine, uh, a documentary I saw at Sundance, by the way. So, Best International Feature forcing this episode change today uh we'll continue with some oscar news and that uh i'm catching up on on a couple of these saltburn announced where they're going to campaign uh several contenders and saltburn's still a mystery to me by the way but yeah let's let's talk about it barry keoghan will go lead that's expected sure jacob alordi and richard e grant will be put forward in supporting (laughs) actor rosamund pike there was some you know, we, we've been wondering if she would be leader supporting uh, how big her role was all along. She's going to go supporting actress Carrie Mulligan. I didn't see her name, even though I hear she's got a, a fun scene, at least, uh, from Saltburn. But Rosamund Pike's got a chance there. And, uh, you know, we learned that Emerald Fennell wrote an original screenplay for Saltburn. So, Can you imagine having a screenplay this year and you're... It's on the border, and your studio tells you that they want to campaign it as an adapted, and you really want it to be original. Like, you've never had more ammo for your arguments than you would this year. Well, Barbie's original! (laughs) (laughs) Again, you just got to bring up uh, Rihanna's Battleship, (laughs) and you got to cite precedent. You're a lawyer. You understand this. I've said, yeah, again, once again, time and again, the number of times I've made the Rihanna's Battleship argument. Is a board game. Can't tell you. Is a board game something that can be adapted 
If you threw Barbie dolls onto a battleship board game, does that make a screenplay for you is the question. Was it considered a screenplay from the beginning? It's a chicken and the egg argument. Right, of course. <laughs> are we the lone Oscar spot that's given the most time to Battleship, you think? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, good. we are. Yes, we are. Let's talk I about May, con- December. I can confirm as much. <laughs> Clayton Davis has where they will be campaigning for May, December as well. Natalie Portman is going to go lead. Julianne Moore will be campaigning and supporting actress. Charles Melton gets the campaign for supporting actor there. Todd Haynes is supposedly going to get a strong push in Best Director. Clayton has written this, quote, The team at Netflix is determined to get the auteur his first nom for directing after multiple snubs for a Velvet Goldmine. That's the Robert Pattinson uh Anyway, I'm not there, and most notably, Far From Heaven and Carol. Robert Pattinson would have been, he would have been like negative four years old, (laughs) right? Well, he was old enough to star in that poster for that movie, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) You need better glasses. (laughs) I think think I'm excited about May-December's chances, because I just booked my New York Film Festival ticket for May-December. However... Like, I don't know what to expect from that movie. It's a catty masterpiece. I think I've gone both ways on Todd Haynes' films in the past. Like, I was not a huge fan of Far From Heaven. I was a big fan of Carol. I, I loved and hated I'm Not There <laughs> yeah. in equal measure. And yet, uh, I've been a big fan of, uh, like, every other movie he does. Uh, but I, I, think, uh, I think New York Film Festival, with the fact that they are premiering this movie to seven screenings in its opening night. Wow. Which is awesome. Because that tells you that the, the health of ticket sales are incredible. Right. And that tells you that Netflix is happy to, to let May, December get that many screenings. And they're doing the same thing with Priscilla and Ferrari. I can't make a Friday night, which sucks. So I'm, do, I'm doing the encore for May, December. But I, I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I took took a glance at all the London Film Festival ticket sales today. What was still open? What was a lot of sold out screenings, and there's a lot of uh, standby or sold out New York Film Festival screenings as well. So this is all good news, Michael. We were fearing that the non-celebrity attended mm. film festivals may not do as well, but I don't think that's an issue this year. Hope, hopefully not. I wonder if it's an issue more for East Coast versus West Coast, or. Well, you know, AFI Fest and things like that in the middle. Uh, do you find yourself eating more with bad movies after film festivals or less? What What's uh, your appetite more? Listen, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to get me mine <laughs> either way. Okay. 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 Uh, you don't have to worry about me. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to a movie and, and starve. Okay. Okay, Good to I know. find a way. Life <laughs> finds a way. Even if I got 15 minutes, mm-hmm. I will walk very fast and get me something. Mm-hmm. I've, I've I've done I've done a great job. I'm the best at it. Very good. All right. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> There's some uh, release date movements on the calendar. American Fiction is going to delay its release from November until December 15th, and it's not going to go wide until Christmas on the 22nd of uh, December there. Got delayed, Pris- yeah. Yeah, Priscilla's moving one week from the 27th of October until the 3rd of November. Uh, a little late in the game to be moving that, but okay. An Ordinary Angels, the Hillary Swank movie from Lionsgate, that's moving from October of this year to February of next year. Yeah, that moved out. So we'll have to wait and see if the AFI lineup has any more surprises for us. I wonder if, like, the Iron Claw could get a day. They just got the, uh, what do they call that, a waiver for from uh, 
interim agreement thank you and uh the cast and crew and you know we'll be able to uh promote yep. the iron claw i mean, the words are escaping me at this moment but th- so that's that's one of the mysteries left in the season the color purple and napoleon are probably the two big looming films otherwise uh but yeah i mean afi will have the last festival you know uh I mean, I, the big festival rollouts, I would say, no. uh, before it's all over. But, all right, we'll 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 review one trailer, and <laughs> we have to do one more reviewing the reviewers segment. We'll get there. But the fir- first, the trailer, All of Us Strangers, December 22nd, another late release, 94% on 17 Rotten Tomato reviews, a 98 Metascore, still with just two critical reviews counting towards that Metascore. Andrew Haig of 45 Years Weekend and Looking, Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, Claire Foy, Jamie Bell, the big four performances, both in this trailer and what seems to be in this film, Michael. This was this felt like the epitome of a classy trailer to me. What did you think? I don't think you're gonna like what I have to say. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? <laughs> I I didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> Why? It was it was just nonsense to me. So he just goes to the house and is talking to ghosts or his imagination. Or is oh. he knocked out? Is, is he, he already asleep? dead? Is he is he de- like I just shut oh, up? Oh, so you don't like you don't like the time travel premise? You are a time travel. I hate time travel. You you hate time travel yeah. and you hate time travel. But here's the thing: you hate time travel arguments. Yes, is that what is that what's happening here? Because he clearly sees the kid version of himself too. So is he just hallucinating this whole thing? He might be dead already. It might be purgatory. <sighs> then just be dead. <laughs> If you're dead already, don't you just meet the loved ones that you've lost? Well, he can find pathos through that. And so could we. And it's just a beautiful cut, beautifully cut trailer with beautiful music. Willie Nelson's always on my mind. That was cool. I like this. I like the song. Like like in an echoing, like, I don't know, very purgatorial fashion here. I'm just making up words, but I think that fits. You know, I, I mean, but it's kind of a trip to visit your parents back when they're about to have you, right? <laughs> they should juxtapose. They should have this very beautiful, moving movie with him reuniting with his parents and catching up and all that, and then juxtapose to what's happening to his body in the real world, and it's just a bus running him over and then backing up <laughs> oh, over him again geez. and then running him over. <laughs> You're a big fan of Scrooge, I'll aren't tell you, you? Let me tell you Didn't what they happened. travel? <laughs> let me tell you what happened with this trailer. I was in a bad mood going into it, (laughs) and I didn't get the answer as to what the hell's going on that I wanted. It's a teaser. Screw it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Is that why you texted me what you texted me before? You're like, yeah, whatever. Let's record. Yeah, yes. That's exactly why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, okay. All of us strangers, universally beloved by everybody but one person. This could have been a horror movie very easily, and it's not, and I'm mad about it. Okay, maybe maybe it is, though. I don't know. It's supposed to be good. I'm seeing that at the New York Film Festival as well, so I'm excited. This is a movie about me being excited and hungry, and therefore uh, we can go forward with that. Uh, Expendables 4, Michael. We had to do one more reviewing the reviewers segment for Expend Forbles. 14% on 49 Rotten Tomato reviews, a 31 meta score. Please take us 
Todd McCarthy of Deadline. Expendables 4 is ambushed by its own utter lack of new ideas or better ways to use the talents of the many charismatic actors who did turn up to work for various lengths of time. That was a nicer negative review, <laughs> says Mike. Uh, also Mike here. <laughs> a lesser than nice uh, <laughs> negative review is from Amy, Amy Nicholson of uh, the New York Times. The film's last reel is so awful. So sneeringly contemptuous of our good faith efforts to play along with these shenanigans that we leave the theater still thinking of that shot of a corpse's middle finger. It sure seemed pointed at us. That's Amy Nichols. And then, and then David Ehrlich coming in. Expendables 4 is obviously absolute garbage. <laughs> but it's kind of refreshing to see a $100 million Hollywood sequel that's so completely at peace with being a giant piece of shit. <laughs> I was kind of on its side by the end. <laughs> All right. Now we know David Ehrlich is Twitter pated. And my deduction that he's newly in love is confirmed. confirmed like yes, he can't even, percent. he can't even follow through on what is like the easiest of, you know, smash, you know, negative reviews here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He couldn't even do it. Like he's so in love that he can't even hate exp- expend forbles. He's so properly. deeply in. Sm- it's like I know she says some racist things, but <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> trying to cover for it, you know. <laughs> oh no, can't see like the Elaine, where she, where Elaine's talking to her new boyfriend, and she's like, "So what do you think about abortion?" <laughs> <laughs> Are you yeah, proud of me? Go. Good job. I am proud of you, Mike. Good job. David you know, Ehrlich. Maybe All of Us Strangers wasn't that bad. <laughs> David Ehrlich is Elaine from Seinfeld. All right. So, <laughs> expend forbles. What What would it take for you to watch this movie? Do you actually want to see this more now based on those reviews? Or Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Glad I asked. <laughs> I only just try to segue, <laughs> do the podcasting thing, and ask my co-host <laughs> an innocent question. <laughs> oh, God. Are you going to see it? You see everything. Well, I'm actually a little more curious to see Expend Forables now because they seem to have so much All fun right. trashing it. No? <laughs> It looks terrible. (laughs) It does look terrible. I thought it was like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith trailer to start with. Yeah. But I'm supposed to remember that, uh, you know. It would have been better if it was. Statham and Fox are like together and expend threebles. You're also, I mean, no disrespect to Megan Fox and 50 Cent. But this started off as like the collection of the greatest action movie action stars ever. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can't... uh, you can't expand beyond Chuck Norris. Like, what Ch- Chuck right. Norris has taken off the shelf? Good point, yeah. Like, enough. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you've gone too far. Stallone. Anyway, I think uh, I think we should get into our dumb money. Non-spoiler review, so nobody worry. We're not going to spoil the movie past, you know, some basic information about the true story here. But uh, this is a nine- 15 limited release last weekend 
It's coming out this weekend, limited as well, expanding a bit. And next weekend, it will be wide on the 29th of September. The rumored budget is 60 to 70 million, Michael, from Columbia Pictures of Sony. Yeah, because and they had to license out all the rights for the TikToks and internet memes and videos. This cast, <laughs> the licenses, the soundtrack. That's where pr- the money went, probably, right? I would think. I, sincerely. I mean, they had to get all the waivers and shit for everyone's real TikToks and a bunch of different internet companies, real podcasts and real videos. And yet I wonder if this is being paid for by Netflix streaming money because they do have that deal with Netflix where however many months after its release date, all these films pop on Netflix, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we saw The Woman King, Mm -hmm. you know, have a second life. And I do wonder if... You know, fast forward a couple months from now, if Dumb Money, that's its best life. You know, and I, I okay. hate to put movies in those those boxes, but I could see a lot of people watching this on Netflix. No, sure, uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I this is going to be a very alluring story anyway because it's about the common man taking down the one percent. Hmm. And they've done a they've done the docu series, which I just watched early this morning. Uh, the Eat the Rich. It was easy to watch. Was their episodes are like 20 minutes pop. Uh, Eat right. the Rich, the GameStop saga, which was pretty good. Uh, well, the and, premise goes right into it here. Dumb Money yeah. is the ultimate David vs. Goliath tale based on the insane true story of everyday people who flipped the script on Wall Street and got rich by turning GameStop, yes, the mall video game store, into the world's hottest company. So the original hope was that Dumb Money, especially by you and your predictions yeah. phase of the of the summer here, you were saying dumb money is something you hoped would be the big short or a Michael Clayton right. or, a, or a Wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street, etc. And instead, I mean, the big picture just did a whole podcast and released it this morning about uh, garbage money movies, <laughs> garbage cash movies, they call them. And uh, I don't know if it's quite that. I think it's a bit over that. And then critical reception said 84%, 119 reviews. Everybody saw it in Toronto, 67 Metascore. That's better than solid. And yet, there's no real Oscars hype for dub money right now. Nah. No, sure. I, I, I said to you, I mean, this is one of the most bizarre watches. But I, I don't know. I don't even know if it works or not. I'm, I'm up and down on some things that I don't know if I love, but... I still come away with it, to tease my review. I still come away with it pretty positive. Yeah, the movie is good. It's just Mm -hmm. that for the hundred and you know one hour, 46-minute runtime, maybe an hour of that I feel like is actual movie. Okay. Uh, Yeah, well, we should get into that. But how many people were in your theater? I had like seven people in mine. Yeah, which I was about that. Handful. Worried about. Yeah. All right. So that is probably the bigger question. Like, is it going to be a flop in theaters because i want to see more movies like this in movie theaters like i don't need every movie theater movie to be like barbie necessarily no, or no. oppenheimer yeah i, I want mean, i want this too it's just i don't know who this movie is supposed to be for anyway hmm. because it's clearly made for gen z except and it's a gen z driven story mm-hmm. uh but people in my theater i didn't have any young people i mean you're talking I, about a movie about stocks and stuff it's kind of tailor-made for the older crowd you know what this is for? This is for our younger stunt doubles. <laughs> I had, I and it would have been very rude to take a picture of them last night. <laughs> that neither of them are shaving yet. They must have been 14, 15 years old, or I okay. can't tell ages. But they were, 
they looked like the two of us <laughs> at that age, sitting directly below me. I texted you immediately. Yep. It was funny. I laughed. I almost laughed in their faces. <laughs> they have a podcast themselves called Oscar, Mike, and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's who started. All right. No, I, like, yeah, it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I mean, young, old people, old, young people. Right. Go Which, to how many of those Dunbar. are there? There were us back in the day, but yeah, there's some. Right. You know, anyway, I think uh, those young mama's boys aside, <laughs> I wonder I wonder who's seeing this from Gen Z as well. I'm also confused by, like, who's behind this movie. Like, the, the Winklevoss twins? Cameron and Tyler. Like, this is the first big Do you think movie production. They think they're the little guy because they aren't as rich as Zuckerberg? <laughs> I don't know. It's so bizarre to me uh, that I finished the movie and I'm walking out and it says produced by Cameron and Tyler Wink- Winklevoss. Yeah, that's wild. I didn't see that. That was bizarre. And, I, you know, you look up their IMDb and they've done a couple films, but this is the biggest one and whatever. I I was surprised to see it. I mean, Craig Gillespie is obviously an MMO favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fright Night 2011. I, Tanya and Cruella have been... MMO reviewed films on this show that we've reviewed highly. And uh, Orange and the New Black, two screenwriters, Lauren Shuker Blum, Rebecca Angelo, and Ben Mesrick, the screenwriter of the social network behind this composition, Michael. And so you could feel threads to each one of those, you know, source materials, I would right. say, except this movie had a strange tone from the beginning with me. I was surprised by what I got in the end, to be honest with you. It was a much slower-paced film than I thought I was getting with Dumb Money. Yeah, I mean, I admire certain aspects of it. Like, there's a suggestion that one of the players, Ken Griffin, had something to do with the halting of the buying on Robin Hood, which isn't a spoiler. I mean, this all happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Griffin, who owns one of the hedge funds and had a conflict of interest because it, either his capital firm or his hedge fund uh, was providing liquid to Robin Hood and because he was getting killed because of what was happening with GameStop and the shortening of it or, or the this short squeeze of it, uh, he was behind Robin Hood pulling the ability to buy GameStop at, uh, buy GameStop stocks in the middle of the craze. The movie yeah. doesn't say he was. It'd probably be slander if it did but they weren't afraid to suggest it at least and certainly not with the title cards at the end even though they go out of their way to say you know make sure it's known that charges were dropped and everything like that no charges were filed by the by the sec Mm -hmm. i I like the audacity of it you do have to play kind of touch and go when you're talking about billionaires anyway especially the sue happy ones like griffin or peter teal historically have been and Mm -hmm. I, i like that they didn't shy away from that so there is stuff to be admired the way in which they present this movie you know, it probably shouldn't work with how many interludes and cuts into TikToks and videos and like stuff like that there is, but it does still run coherently for me. So I was impressed by that. But again, it's just bizarre. I wonder if this is where Gen Z movie is movies are going, I should say, because are we just like, is the Gen Z biopics just going to be stuffed full of social media stuff from now on, which there's a cop out in this movie because the whole movie, I mean, the story took place because of social media, which I understand. Right. And that was the point being made. But also, 
social media is going to be just be playing a bigger and bigger role into everyday everything going on that if we're retelling stories from the 2020s now mm-hmm. is this how they're going to have to be presented I think so. I think uh, it's definitely going to be a narrative device in a lot of films. And I I like how they did it to an extent here where you have a lot of the Act 1 moments memefied in Act 2. I like like that it's cinematic when you put all the goofy uh, visuals into it. Mm -hmm. I I think I like the editing and the fact that they edited in all the real-life interviewers of the congressional hearing, for instance, and the politicians there, uh, therein, you, you have, you know, Portnoy. Yeah, Dave Portnoy being a major player in this movie is not something I saw coming. <laughs> but that's just like his, like he didn't reprise that interview. They just took. They just took the bar stool interview. I'm guessing. Yeah, they they did. I watched it in real time when it, when he had uh, what was his name, Vlad there or whatever, on the guy that founded Robin Hood and gave all those objectively sleazy okay. answers and non-committal answers. Um, so I, I liked how that worked. That still worked. Same. same. Better here. It's a, and, and that's but was, an was that trip, a, is that a movie? Or are you just recreating what happened online? Reenacting, you th- yeah. you'd say? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a movie. I mean, the, the actors are doing good work here. Sebastian Stan, most of all, I would say. I will get to performances in a second. But I, I liked as much. I liked that this was like a statement picture in a way. You got the... You know, you got both of us texting each other after we watch it and feeling good, like you were hyped up. You're, you're texting. Oh, me I'm like, ready to eat billionaires. Absolutely. Yeah. You're like Viva la Revolution. Yeah, you're Revolution. buying a guillotine. <laughs> you know, I mean, even with the sobering reminders at the end of it, but we're we're walking away hyped, and it's you know, you're you're talking about this being a peculiar film and a peculiar emotional stasis that we're in afterwards, and I I have a peculiar com- comparative. From this year, or comparison, I should say, you know, I'm like Mike Tyson right now. I'm just inventing wrong, <laughs> wrong grammatical and phrases. To eat my children as well, so there is something to that. <laughs> oh Jesus! Anyway, I, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I like, I like this movie in a similar way that I liked Evil Dead Rise where I have a lot of problems with Evil Dead Rise. A lot of the movie doesn't work for me. And then the end is badass, and I walk out of there saying, hell yes, yeah. and I love the ending, and then I feel like Evil Dead Rise is a much better movie than it maybe was. Is that... That's, that's, a, that's a fair sum. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Good God. Assessment. We got to end this podcast. Uh, <laughs> just two guys who can't speak English. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. And I did walk out feeling good, and the ending, the climax of the movie is great but how can it not be when you look at the talent attached to this right the Paul uh, Dano's not gonna stumble the, uh, the 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 ensemble is worth the price of admission yeah I would say the Gill family in particular I mean the wealth of riches yep. there but but yeah Paul Dano I mean this he's done this for a decade now mm-hmm. and he, obviously he was as close as he's ever been last year with the Fablemans, SAG nominated, Critics' Choice nominated. Yes, in 2016, he was Choice and Globe nominated for Love and Mercy. There Will Be Blood, he was BAFTA nominated in 2008. Little Miss Sunshine, he was kind of breaking through with a Critics' Choice Young Actor nom and an Indie Spirit nom. So he's been building his Oscars resume yeah. for a while. But he's going to be left on the sidelines again here with dumb money. I don't even think he's going to get... 
you know, much love in terms of the critical association. I'd be surprised if this shows up anywhere. I mean, maybe American Ferrera because she's like the most relatable to the everyman. She is so good in this. I just yeah. want to hang out with her. Yeah. Same. That's what I walk away from this year. That's my one of my bigger takeaways this year. I could have just watched her character. And she's I the mean, most that, yeah, she's the most altruistic too. She doesn't she she's the one who doesn't win in the end either. That gas station scene yeah. was heartbreaking. That's that another scene thing. On the yeah, plane. you're right. You're absolutely right. Like there's another thing to this in that it it, it does take place during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so there's that relatability through all of us. Like we're fighting this heartbreak and just trying to find a community. Like this movie does work, but does it work because it's a good movie? Or does it work because this, the, you know, amalgamation of events that led to the, what made the right. context of the game stonk thing. Right. Right. And at the high stakes of that small talk was incredible. And the fact that you're right, the high stakes from the, from the, you know, online interactions. Right. That, that that literally came true. So yeah, I I like the fact that we get we get that the attitude best from a lot of these side characters. And I particularly love the Talia Ryder, Mahala Harold. They were great. Twosome yep. in college there. And and that got because I watched that documentary at the Ass Crack of Dawn this morning. Okay. And a lot of the interviews that were shown of, of people who were investing and whether it was a crispy, which they didn't really have a lot of crispies who were what's the term for the people that came in way late. And a lot of them did not make money. But a lot of the OG original apes who diamond who were hands, the diamond hands, which I, I loved. And they were they were making a we are the 99 percent kind of a statement oh yeah it was not about making i mean there was if you i remember scrolling through i don't think it was uh that reddit forum but i remember Mm -hmm. scrolling through a different something some reddit forum uh after the GameStop thing had ended and i just remember there being this outpouring of emotions people like i was in you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and i was able to make a huge debt in it thank you guys so much i was able to buy my mom a car for the first time in her life thank you like it was like it was moving shit Right. Like, and it was, you're right. Like, these weren't people who were in it to try, like, this was a statement piece. And that's yes. why the stock got so high in the first place. Because nobody so, was selling. So that was that was a happy thing. That being said, there are some hypocrisies in play here. And I thought it was negative. Or I thought it was, I thought it was a negative takeaway from me. Because especially after watching that documentary, I'm like, they didn't show any of the the big money that got involved. Like, they didn't show the additional hedge funds that backed GameStop down the line. They didn't show the CEO of Chewy who swooped in and bought 10% of GameStop and all the all the big money, big wig, you know, rich white guys who took the opposite position of all right. the short sellers, right? So it's kind of hypocritical not to show them. It wasn't just this ground gra- grassroots campaign. And that being said, Fair. half of the grassroots campaign... I mean, some of that language was disgusting. I mean, demeaning to differently abled people and and nasty. And a lot of the the memeage was was awful. You know. Well, that was also yeah. I mean, and that was the uh, I think a good job by Gillespie too. Like the internet is a cesspool. It's still the internet. Show some of it. Yeah, it's still the internet. Like there's there's grossness everywhere. And it's the keyboard tough guy mentality. It doesn't matter if you are doing a good and trying to take a stand against the 1%. There's still going to be assholes out there who, you know, are kids, essentially. But that was jarring. That was jarring to watch in that scene. I mean, we're we're not subject to that kind of stuff anymore. And it's also... In movies. There was that aspect to it, 
and another thing that was unique that you don't usually see was the humanity of the 1%. It didn't work on me. But, like, you see Seth Rogen's yeah. wife, like, dealing with this big loss and, oh, my God, what are, how are we going to do this? And you see his kids playing and you think about them when their right. dad's going through all this. Like, there, there there was an attempt to not make the every millionaire in this movie, you know, a cartoon villain. Yes. However, like, Steve Cohen, Vincent D'Onofrio feeding his Despicable. Pe- right. pig inside the house, yeah. owner of the Mets, how could Seth Rogen. How could you be a Mets fan after watching this movie? <laughs> Seth Rogen gave Plotkin, owner of the Charlotte Hornets right now. I mean, like, Rogen's most blah, unlikable role yet, correct? I mean, maybe he's played one or two that have been worse. We but- talked about this, though. There's such a subtext into guys like Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman being the big money bastards in this mm-hmm. and like how they were used to be just yeoman working actors and now they're taking the role and it's like it's purposeful and i sure i'm sure they they do it because it's purposeful too you yeah. know like they're they're still sticking to their roots here as like you know not forgetting where they came from by playing these assholes i think olivia thurlby you know characterized rogan a bit i i, I don't get like the nick offerman performance much he was just very bland i i don't understand why why Ken Griffin, the real guy, has a problem with how he's portrayed. Other than, I mean, if he should be mad at anyone in the way they're treating his character in that movie, it should be Steve Cohen. Yeah, I mean, he's mad at the, you know, these billionaires. They just I know, get they're, they're fragile egos. They're very they're fragile. Yeah, of course it is. But, like, I didn't think Ken Griffin was unfairly portrayed at all. I didn't even it, think he was the big bad guy. It felt like a collectively bargained <laughs> portrayal, almost, you know? It was so weird. Right. Like, they, <laughs> it's... It was bizarre to watch Nick Offerman and it's just such a flat performance. Otherwise, like a Sebastian Stan, he, to me, he was the do, doing some of the best, most nuanced acting here. Like he, he made such an over the top character actually have some layers to him. I thought, and, and I like that s- they showed the conflict between the two founders of Robin Hood too. How yeah. they put it all on that one guy's shoulders. I don't know if that's what actually happened, but I, I like that choice being made. Otherwise, you know, Pete Davidson, Anthony Ramos, uh, I, I had laugh out loud moments with both of their characters. And yeah, I mean, the cast is worth the price of admission. And uh, this film. Can we you know, talk about Shailene Woodley's character for two seconds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a. I hate it. Not a rounded character. I mean, can we at one time have the significant other in one of these movies actually have some depth and like actually get pissed off? At their partner for being a dickhead. Well, they either go in one way or the other. It's either you can never be supportive while still being righteously angry that your your spouse ditches you with the media on your front yard because he's having a panic attack. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't have to just be like, yeah, go naked, run naked with your dick out. Right. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree. I mean, she's she's a great actress. She, so she was she great in this. Did the most most of with it that she could. But She's these idyllic, these idyllic spouses that are being written by these men in these writing room, like I'm just tired of it. Yeah. Well, or it's completely the opposite. Right. Right. You, you, but that, I mean, you, you're painting with one brush or the other. God forbid, there's a shade of gray. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's. Sometimes it's a necessary evil with you know running time and all that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not done by the best of them. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think 
we've seen plenty of Scorsese spouse or Tarantino spouse or Coppola spouse or I mean you go on the list go the masters they typically have characters that are that are layered even even if they just have one scene and you, you have layer you know you know you have yeah, like uh, how about a scene where, where when Paul Dano runs out on her like he comes back and she's walking with her kid down the street because she's like screw you I'm gonna walk to mom's house you took right. the car like how about something instead of just deciding to take her anger out on the paparazzi who are well, on even, her side by the way I mean even the bus stop scene in Greta Gerwig's Barbie like that's a brilliantly written scene right. with a one scene character. She says, uh, "She says you look beautiful," and then that old lady kind of gives her a side right. eye. It's like, "Of course I do," and it gives her some, gives her some funk, right? Gives her some, you know, edge. Right. This is one little character, and of course she's just not going to say, "Oh, you're too nice, sweetie." You did, you, yeah. <laughs> Goddamn right, I do. Love that. I mean, that said, I understand that like Shailene, none of this happens without Shailene Woodley. Of course it doesn't, but like, give her some depth. You're cheating that character. You're cheating that person. I felt like the biggest negative to me is that this movie got redundant and hitting the same story beats over and over again for dumb money. And that's that's my biggest criticism at the end of the day. Because, I mean, production values, cast, we can go into them, but I, I, I got what I wanted out of this movie about halfway in. And then I just kind of got more of what I wanted. And I got like one dilemma because I mean, it's the gambler's dilemma. Do you stay? Do you, do you get out? Do you let it ride? Well, it's or not? the gambler's dilemma, but it was being played in a rigged game. Yeah. They couldn't tell if he was staying or getting out because the powers that be wanted to shake him down. But if they made the movie as nuanced as it should have been, they were also re-rigging the game. Which is the truth, right? And well, who the ninety nine percent or the the billionaires? Ninety nine percent. They're they're changing the scales. Sure, but that's never going to happen again. It's it's a rare event, as they kept saying in the documentary, the short squeeze to this level. But that's that's why this movie didn't get. I don't think it got to the truth of it well enough. The fact that the system could be this erratic with all of our teachers' pension funds and all of our retirement funds. That's what's sickening at the end of the day. People are gambling with all of our bank accounts, all of our 401Ks. Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. That's the truth that's of this, point. and that's what they don't touch on here. Uh, they touched on it in the documentary I watched this morning Well, they on can't Netflix. touch on it because then you're rooting for the billionaires. I don't know what who you're rooting for. You're rooting for the system to uh, get, you know, fixed. The, 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 yeah, but all those, all those, the pension funds and like the everyman funds are being controlled by hedge funds. Yes, but the fact and that the it's funds. shifting, that short selling is shifting wealth from from the public to the to the hedge funds is still awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, this this wealth is not being created out of thin air. Even though it was nice to flip the losses, that you can lose money to infinity. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, good. I don't but know. Now he owns, but now he owns the Hornets, Michael. <laughs> it's a movie for, I guess. I, I I mean, I try to imagine my parents watching this movie, and they'd have no idea what was going on. Well, but it's adult subject matter. Yeah. 
It's it's not like at the level of a Michael Clayton or no. even like Wolf of Wall Street and Big Short. Those are Gonzo movies. Yeah. And those are big swings on how to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. And and you could have you could easily had a quote unquote garbage cash movie with either one of those. And yet, you know, this 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 is not like a margin call level seriousness. I think it was going more for the big big short, right? But uh, it didn't get there. Didn't yeah. get there. So it's like a solid B grade for me. And it's not, you know, we're not really having an Oscar lens. I, I actually drew out a list of films that I thought had better chances. And it's like, I think like 25, 26 deep, you know? Yeah. Over the course of this year, we don't have to go through them. But so I, I don't think Dumb Money is going to have a, a spot. And I, I don't think the movie was fast paced enough to get an editing nom or. You know, it's kind of another reason why I didn't think this was a film study or an Oscars profile, quote unquote, for yeah. today. You know, no, I, I tend to I tend to agree with you. But as always, uh, we want to hear from you, dear listener. Have you seen Dumb, Dumb Money? Are we wrong about this? Are we wrong giving it our B's and, and B minus grades that Mike and I have doled out to it? Let us know. Should we be higher or lower? Do you think it competes for Oscars as well? What are your thoughts on what France did with their Oscars submissions? And what are your thoughts on the trailer for All of Us Strangers or The Expendables 4? If you've seen it, we want to hear from you. Leave us those as well as any other <laughs> yes, thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And for listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you would not mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael? Let's have some words of wisdom and what's coming next from us. Well, I'm going to go to the New York Film Festival next weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. Poor things, all of us stranger uh, strangers, I'll be seeing those two films. We also got a bunch of movies coming to us, Michael. Florin, Son, Cassandro, It Lives Inside, No One Will Save You. A lot of good reviews for those movies that you can watch at home and, 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 and on your AMC A-list this weekend. Uh, Reptiles coming out sooner than we thought. The Creator, Foe, Dicks the Musical, She Came to Me, Cat Person. That's just in the next two weeks. Never mind if you actually force me to see The Exorcist Believer. <laughs> so that's 13 movies over the next two weeks that are on the also Mike watch list. And then we have Taylor Swift, the Eras tour concert uh, film that's now tracking for 75 to 100 million. I think that's way low. That movie is going to make ridiculous amounts of money that opening weekend. It, didn't it didn't it get the pre-sales up to like 65 million at AMC? Was it that high? I don't remember. If the pre-sales are up to that level, Oh my God! It's gonna make it's gonna make 150 million in its opening weekend. So I don't know if that's a Mike, Mike, and Oscar film necessarily, but I <laughs> I definitely want to track the box office of it. I don't think anybody wants to hear a film study on that uh, from us. But uh, I'm fascinated by how that movie's gonna play. Uh, in terms of words of wisdom, I guess uh, it is wise to eat before you hit record instead of being so starving when you you just begin this thing and. Maybe maybe just eat like a normal diet. Maybe we should do that. I was texting you last night, even before this movie. I was like, I just I, I just gorged myself mm-hmm. before seeing this. And maybe wow. I would have liked the movie ten times more if I, w- I wasn't so full. I'm sure the time to start a normal diet won't be with you at the New York Film Festival. So I don't. No, think it won't. Have to like wait I a can't couple weeks for that. I can't go on a diet for another month. <laughs> A diet. Like, here I am, the, 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 the height of hypocrisy, calling people the double F word, F, 
FF last week or last episode. Just a horrible person I am. That was just projection. We all knew it. <laughs> Guys. So self-deprecation. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come be FFs with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.